John chapter 10, we come this morning to the end of this current series in the Gospel of John. Obviously, I can count, and John has more chapters than 10, uh, but we're going to bring this series to an end, and then at some time in the future, we'll come back and do the second half of this Gospel, unique telling the, the story of Jesus full of pictures who Jesus is for us, and images of what it means for us to find life in Him. And another beautiful and powerful one this morning in chapter 10. I'm going to read verses 1 to 18 for us. John chapter 10, verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. And flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock. One shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay my life, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now as we come to the words of your Son, words that are full of beauty, but often for us also full of mystery. And so would you help us, would you keep your promise to be present with us by your Spirit as we gather in the name of your Son, and would you speak, would you help us to know your Spirit as he mourns and groans with us. Longing to see redemption, would you help us to hear your spirit as he reminds us that we are your sons. 
we are your daughters. That we are loved by you with a depth that we cannot measure. Would you help us to know that this morning? Would your spirit open our eyes and ears to receive your word and be changed by it? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I think sometimes those of us who have been around the church for a while forget how weird our language can be. So for instance, we talk a lot about Jesus being our shepherd and us being his flock. Language that's obviously rooted in the passage that's in front of us, rooted in a number of other passages throughout Scripture. Imagery that has been treasured by Christians for centuries. But can we acknowledge that's strange and even offensive to imply that people are sheep? Especially from the perspective of our culture, if, if you want to be an animal, be a, be a lion, be an eagle, be a stallion, but don't be a sheep. Why would you want to be a sheep? We like Sean the sheep. But that's because he breaks the mold of being a sheep. He's one of a kind. Life's a treat with Sean the sheep. (laughs) He's a unique individual. But that's not the kind of sheep that Jesus is talking about. That's not the kind of sheep that the Bible talks about. When it uses this image, it's talking about the kind of sheep that are, well, they're stupid. I'll get in trouble with my kids later for that. <laughs> They're helpless. They, they just follow the one that's in front of them, whether that leads them to danger or not. They are utterly dependent. Why would we want to be that? Why would we want to use this language? Why would we want to be identified as a sheep? Well, that's the question I want to ask this morning of John chapter 10. I want to ask it of Jesus. And I think in this chapter, in the words of Jesus, we can find two reasons. We should want to be a sheep because like sheep we are scattered and like sheep we can be gathered. First of all, scattered. In the background of John chapter 10 is a moment in the Old Testament book of Numbers. The great leader of Israel, Moses, is about to die. And as he looks to the promised land and then looks back over the camp of Israel, he is worried. He's scared. He's concerned about leadership. And so he asked God to provide a successor to him. A successor who will lead the people so that, and this is a direct quote, so that they will not be like sheep without a shepherd. And that phrase then is echoed throughout the Old Testament. It's a refrain that sounds again and again. It expresses a concern for the right leadership for God's people. So that they would not be like sheep. Without a shepherd. The prophet Ezekiel picks it up in chapter 34 of his book. And he looks at the kings and the priests of Israel. And he indicts them with this language. 
And he says to them, because of your self-centered leadership, you are false shepherds. You have not led God's people to true nourishment. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus picks up that language and he indicts the leaders of his day. Maybe you'll remember from chapter 9, Jesus healed a man who who had been blind from birth. And then what happens to that man? Well, the officers of the synagogue, the leaders of God's people, the religious expert, they expel him from the community. Jesus now responds in chapter 10 and he says, you aren't true shepherds. You are false shepherds. In fact, you are thieves and you are robbers like Moses and Ezekiel before him. Jesus exposes with this language A leadership crisis. And I want you to think about the point that underlies that indictment. The overarching point is that people, whether then or now, people have an essential need for leadership. We have a profound need for leadership. You see, without help, We don't know where life is. Without help, we cannot find true and lasting nourishment for our lives. It's a consistent picture of humanity throughout John's Gospel. Think about chapters 3 and 4. In chapter 3, Nicodemus, elite education, spotless pedigree. What does Jesus say to him? It's not enough. It's not enough. You need a better birth. You need a new birth. You need a different source of life. Chapter 4. A woman, a nameless Samaritan woman on the opposite end of the spectrum. Wrong ethnicity. A tragic and disastrous relational history. And what does Jesus say to her? He says, can't you see you're thirsty? And you need a better well. You need a better source for your life. You see, we're all on that spectrum. Whether it's Nicodemus or the Samaritan woman or everyone in between, we are all on that spectrum, unable to know where life is and often looking for it in all the wrong places. This week... I will drive my family to Bradenton, Florida to visit my in-laws. My in-laws have lived in the same place for over three years. And I have made that trip multiple times each of those years. But this week, if I get in my van and drive without the help of my wife or a GPS, I will end up in Indiana. (laughs) I am a severely... Directionally challenged person. There are dozens of us. We deserve to be heard and pitied. (laughs) Here's the truth of the shepherding imagery. It is that we are all directionally challenged. We are all directionally challenged. When we look for nourishment... 
When we look for meaning, for purpose, for satisfaction that will sustain us, we end up in all the wrong places. We are scattered away from the one who is our true life. And even more than that, we are susceptible to false direction, to false leadership that will lead us to empty and false sources of nourishment. We are all directionally challenged and therefore have a profound need for leadership. Whether we go to religious purity or immoral hedonism, whether it's achievement or family or wealth or any other thing, any other experience, any other possession, we stray. We scatter. We are unable without help to find true and lasting nourishment. The only question is, do you have the humility to recognize that? Can you drop the pretense of self-reliance, of self-sufficiency, and know that you desperately need someone who will lead you to life because you can't get there on your own. But that's not all. That's not all. The, the good news of the shepherding imagery is that it not only reveals the reality of our scattering, it also reveals the possibility of our gathering. So we should embrace the identity of a sheep because it names a truth about us. We can't find our way on our own, but it does more than that. We should embrace the identity of being a sheep because like sheep, we can be gathered. And we can be gathered not because of something within us, but because there's a shepherd. We can be gathered because there's a shepherd. Remember that moment in Numbers? Moses is scared. He's worried about leadership. And what does God do? He anoints a leader. A man named Joshua to succeed Moses and lead God's people. Joshua is the Hebrew form of the name Jesus. Remember Ezekiel indicting the leaders of Israel as false Shepherds, well, in that passage, in that chapter, Ezekiel 34, the voice of God intrudes and says, there will be a day, there will be a time when I, when God himself will be that shepherd. It's a promise that he keeps in Jesus, who's a better leader than even Joshua Because he is God in skin and bone come to address our profound leadership crisis. Come to be our shepherd. I love the implications that Jesus pulls out of this title. He says, because I am your shepherd, you are known and you know me. You are called by name and you recognize my voice. 
You see, this isn't just a job for Jesus. We aren't just a task on his list. We are just a number in his spreadsheet. Because he is our shepherd, he cares deeply for us. Us as a church, you as an individual. And he draws the contrast to false shepherds. He says, false shepherds in your life, they're hired hands. And they will run when it gets risky. False shepherds in your life, they are strangers. They don't know you. They don't know the depths of who you are. The false shepherds in your life, they're robbers. They're thieves. You don't belong to them. But even with the beauty of this shepherding imagery, Jesus as shepherd, it's not enough. The metaphor isn't big enough to contain Jesus. And so he's not only a shepherd, he's also the door. He is our access. He is how we become a part of the flock of God. He is how we find our way to life-sustaining pasture. He's not just a shepherd. He's the good shepherd. His knowledge of us, it can't be explained by the metaphor of shepherding. His knowledge of us has to be explained with the mystery of the triune life of God Himself. Verses 14 and 15. How does Jesus know us? How do we know Him? As the Father knows the Son. And the Son knows the Father. An intimacy of understanding and connection that cannot be described with words. Jesus is not only the shepherd, he's the good shepherd who doesn't just take risks for the sheep, but he willingly lays down his life for them, for us. That's not a normal shepherd. A shepherd will take risks. A shepherd will not willingly lay down his life for the sheep. The rough equivalent, many of you have pets, and you love your pets, and you do a lot for your pets. But if the truck is bearing down on you, and it's you or the dog, you're not going to make that sacrifice. But our shepherd is different. We don't have a normal shepherd. We have the good shepherd. The shepherd who gave his life in order to gather us to life. We have a shepherd who became a sheep. He became the lamb of God who was led to slaughter. So he could lead us to the pasture of God's renewing grace. That's why we need this shepherding language. That's why you should embrace the identity of being a sheep. You should be a sheep because there's a shepherd. And he knows you by name. And he gave his life for you. There's a lovely story at the end of John's Gospel. After Jesus died... A woman named Mary went to the garden where he was buried to pay her respects and to mourn. 
She got to his tomb and to her shock and distress, the tomb was empty. She thought it was robbed. She began to wander the garden, weeping. And she came across a man whom she assumed was the gardener. And she begins to beg that man to tell her where they had taken the body of Jesus. And in that moment, that man speaks her name. He says, Mary. And immediately, she knows that he is Jesus. She falls at his feet and she worships. Why? Because he's the shepherd and he calls his sheep by name. And they know his Can you, this week, can you put yourself in that garden? Can you put yourself in that garden and hear the shepherd who died to call your name? We should live like a newborn infant. You know that a newborn infant, in those Painful and confusing first moments in the world. A newborn infant will still turn towards the voice of her mother. Because in the womb she has learned that she belongs to that voice. That's how we should live. In your pain and in your confusion. Can you turn Towards the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd who died and rose to call you by name. And lead you to life. Let's pray.